five key themes have emerged for sovereign investors around the world, from a focus on liquidity to China to environmental factors. They are readjusting their strategies for a post-pandemic future. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hello, Mustafa. Good to have you with us. Good to be here. This week, we're talking sovereigns and Invesco's recent report on you know, these entities that oversee $19 trillion worth of assets and so really do have the ability to move the needle on the world around us. And so looking at the themes that they're concerned about and what's top of mind for these investors is interesting in the context of our post-pandemic futures. But what popped out for you? Well, I'm interested to hear about how they're looking at China with, with increasing interest. Um, and that's something that was... Um, not necessarily the case for the majority before the pandemic, because there was a lot of focus on the trade war between the US and China and what that meant uh, for both their economies. Uh, but it seems that things have moved on since the pandemic. And we discussed uh, all these themes, including China, with Josette Rizik, who's a client director at Invesco. Let's listen to that now. Josette uh, Rizik, thanks for being with us today uh, to discuss uh, Invesco's Global Sovereign Asset Management Study, um, the latest report. It, it's it's quite interesting reading. It it covers five general themes that you're seeing uh, with regards to sovereign investors. Um, but maybe just so you can kind of run us through, sort of take a step back and run us through the big picture here um, of where of where things stand, where where the kind of bigger scenarios where this report's being released to. Mustafa, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for the opportunity to share uh, with yourself and your listeners the finding of Invesco's annual sovereign and central bank study. Uh, for this year's study, we interviewed a total of 141 sovereigns and central bank, managing over $19 trillion in assets. As you mentioned, we have a number of themes that we focus on each year. And uh, this year, we focused specifically on the impact of COVID on public finances. Uh, we've discussed this topic with uh, sovereigns around this part of the world as well as globally. Another theme that's been an area of focus for us for the last couple of years, and we have been tracking the growth of uh, interest in this theme, is definitely ESG and implementation across uh, uh, the investment portfolios of sovereign and central bank. Uh, the third theme is China. Um, uh, China, oh, China is uh, one of the growing economies globally. We are seeing definitely in growth in allocation. So what we wanted to understand this year from sovereigns in how they view China as an investment, um, as an investment market, what uh, what are their plans for deployment and uh, uh, and how they've positioned themselves for the long term. Uh, in the last couple of years, we've been uh, building this report. Um, we've seen an increase also in allocation into alternatives. And this is theme number four. Uh, alternatives, illiquid investments are uh, have been increasing. 
Um, this year, we focused on real estate, uh, especially with what happened around the pandemic, with a lot of the news around real estate valuations. We thought it's a good opportunity for us to discuss uh, the sovereign's point of view uh, around real estate allocations and what their plans are. And finally, theme five is mainly focused around central bank and their uh, the, the way they've been positioned after the COVID crisis, as well as their reserves management and what and the type of currencies that they are including in their portfolio. So if you can dig into what your top line finding is on COVID's impact on global sovereign asset allocation, what would it be? What's the headline out of, out of your findings? How are sovereigns reallocating assets as a result of the pandemic? Uh, the pandemic has prompted a focus on liquidity, both to fund withdrawals and to take and to better take advantage of future opportunities. And this was reflected from an asset allocation perspective in an increase in cash allocations for sovereigns from 4% in 2020 to 9% in 2021. Uh, dealing with drawdowns was also a big focus for 57% of Middle Eastern sovereigns as a result of two major pressures on their local economies, the stress witnessed by the energy prices and the fiscal deficits. Uh, so governments uh, in our part of the world, as well as globally, did call on funding to help support their local economies and industries hit hard by COVID-19. Um, now, from a liqui- for liquidity sovereigns, drawdowns are familiar, and even if it's not exactly welcomed, but it is consistent with their purpose. So in response to COVID-19, uh, with governments focusing on implementing policy measures uh, designed to uh, to prop up a public service, or, or especially from a, from a health perspective, as well as providing support for businesses uh, and households at a time when tax revenues retreated, uh, this created the perfect storm uh, for governments and for budget deficits and for ri- rising government debt. So liquidity sovereigns were called upon to plug the gaps. This is, didn't only happen in the Middle East, where we've said 57% uh, of Middle Eastern sovereigns had to support their economies. In emerging markets, it stands at 82%. Just said, um, if I can kind of pick up w- on that being a sort of major um, result of the, of the pandemic. Uh, another another thing you found from the report is that um, uh, you know central banks, uh, sovereign investors are willing to take on more risk. It seems uh, in, to to get higher returns because they want to boost uh, their own reserves, their liquidity, essentially to bring in more to bring in more money, and that's resulted in uh, less money put into government bonds and more into equities and other types of investments. I mean, what? how does that play out exactly? What happened during March last year or during the COVID crisis is we have seen some dry up in liquidity, even in government bonds. This has pushed central banks to focus specifically on risk. Uh, with 80%, uh, 86% of central banks in the Middle East seeing a need for larger reserves, and 100% of Middle Eastern central bank tranching their reserves uh, differently and increasing allocation to liquid tranches. Now, from an asset allocation perspective, low and negative yields meant that central banks had to cut allocation to government bonds while increasing allocation to deposits and non-traditional assets like equities, EM debt, corporate bonds. 
Equities are continuing to grow in importance, um, with over 40% of uh, central banks globally having already allocations to equity portfolios. However, this figure is lower in the Middle East. We only stand at 17% versus the other central banks globally. And also diversification away from the US dollar, something that we are seeing with the central banks reserves, not only across asset classes, but also within the reserves themselves across currencies. Just say you're saying they sort of moving away from, from the dollar and the beneficiary of that is, is China's currency and, and as well as you know, sovereign investors being more interested in investing in China, which is, you know, almost counterintuitive, given, um, you know, the, the, the pandemic hit China first, plus we have the large geopolitical risks, um, you know, the, we're still sort of reeling a little bit from uh, the trade war between the US and, and China, which has settled down, but still, uh, you know, as, as your report says, those, those risks are still there. So what's the thinking behind this increased interest in China? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll address this topic separately between central banks and sovereigns, because I think the way they are investing is, um, is, is different, or the way they are accessing the market is different. Now, for central banks, uh, they're trying to diversify, uh, to diversify away from U.S. dollars, and this will continue. And concerns technically around U.S. dollars are centered around the sustainability of the U.S. debt levels with fiscal spending increasing dramatically in response to the pandemic. Um, now, allocations to U.S. dollars are at a 25-year low, and the renminbi has been a key beneficiary. 43% of Middle Eastern central banks are allocating to the renminbi. Now, despite rising allocations regionally as well as globally, we have to note that the renminbi allocation is on average 2.3% uh, in the reserves portfolio versus a substantial allocation into the U.S. dollars. Uh, now, central banks also remain hesitant to classify the renminbi uh, within the same bracket as traditional reserve assets. Only 9% are saying that it is at par with other reserves. And the reason is due to the operational and liquidity challenges that the renminbi still has versus other reserve currencies. And, uh, and as a result, uh, it is being held in the investment portfolio versus the reserve portfolio. Now, if we move into the sovereigns, China is one of the major, um, major economies globally. When we've asked the sovereigns if the current uh, corona crisis has affected, uh, uh, has impacted uh, their interest in China, two-thirds, they said that COVID had made China even more attractive, citing the speed of and effectiveness of the initial response to the pandemic and comparatively strong economic performance since. Uh, now, we are seeing China's growth stabilize a little bit as of now, but it was one of the first economies to get out of the uh, pandemic and the crisis that we've had. 60% uh, of sovereigns are planning to increase their allocation to China over the next five years. And the, the factors that are driving this increase include the positive outlook for local consumption, and this is mainly driven by a middle class and, of course, the rapid embrace for digital technologies. Now, the, uh, the trade war is still a concern and it is factored as a risk uh, in their uh, investment decisions. 
But China is a major economy and sovereigns as long-term investors need to allocate uh, as a diversifier to, uh, to their asset allocation. COVID appeared to spur sovereigns and central banks into kind of greater understanding of implied risk around climate change as well. Did What did Invesco find in terms of how sovereigns are addressing climate change and what are the implications on returns and emerging trends in terms of allocations? Invesco has been, um, has been tracking the uh, you know climate change conversations around this part of the world as well as the incorporation of ESG principle into sovereign and central bank portfolios since 2017 now what is worth to highlight that in just 4 years the proportion the proportion of respondents adopting ESG policies increased from 46% to 64% among sovereigns and from 11% to 38% among some uh, central banks Looking at the Middle East specifically, 56% of sovereigns and 43% of central banks have a specific ESG policy. Now, when we spoke into central banks regarding uh, the returns and their expectations over the long term, over 53% of Middle Eastern sovereigns highlighted that climate risk is not fully factored in market prices. And For them, this might be a potential for long-term alpha. So the study also found that the focus among sovereigns and central banks has zeroed in on climate change. So in particular, climate-proofing their portfolios. Some are already tracking carbon exposure and setting up carbon standards and finding uh, assets, for example, that meet uh, the climate-related objectives. 14% of Middle Eastern sovereigns now measure their portfolio carbon output, while 50% are considering doing so, which is a substantial growth from four years before. Uh, Also on uh, the climate risk has been highlighted to us uh, by sovereigns specifically regarding real estate investments. Uh, A number of them highlighted that over 80% of them believe that climate risk will affect the real estate portfolios in the long term. And they are implementing the the, the climate risk concerns within their due diligence process when they are taking an investment decision in in a real estate allocations, for example. I mean, in fact, identified climate change was seen as the most significant risk to real estate portfolios by sovereigns. Correct. Especially in the Middle East. Uh, I'm I'm interested to to kind of see um, how the, the mindsets of some of these sovereign investors um, are not the pan- it's, it's interesting because the pandemic hasn't created any kind of knee-jerk reaction. So if, if I use the, the example in the report that you have of, of investment horizons, um, the, the length or the, the length of time for most investment objectives has continued to grow. but this is in line with sort of the trend of the last few years largely. Um, and and I wonder, you know, in, in other areas, everyone's talked about how the pandemic has accelerated. The pandemic has accelerated existing trends. Is this is this what we found now between sort of 2019 and 2021 that that what they were already doing, they're just going to be doing more of or or, or speeding that up? It it did for sure. Uh, the pandemic did accelerate some trends. And when we were talking about investment risks to the sovereigns and central bank, one key focus among sovereigns was market risk. Uh, 
which is seen as the most important portfolio risk for them. And this is mainly also linked to the low yield environments that we are currently uh, living in for the last couple of years. And also the, around the possibility of stimulus-driven inflation. Um, so this resulted in sovereign deciding to lower their fixed income allocation from 34% to 30%, as well as increasing their allocation into equities from 26% to 28%. And this is despite concerns around valuations of equities that some of them do believe they are already stretched. But this risk is currently being mitigated by an allocation to active strategies versus the passive strategies. And you've had, like you've had mentioned yourself, lengthening the investment horizon of the portfolio. So we stand now at 9.7 years versus 9.4 in 2020, but versus also 7.4 in 2017. This lengthening of investment horizon is continuing, and the way and the reason why they're doing so is to actually avoid uh, to protect against higher volatilities, and uh, resulting in a rotation uh, of the portfolios uh, in a quick rotation of the portfolios. We're also uh, one of the themes that's been growing in the last couple of years is the allocation to private markets, uh, with. Low, uh, with yields or fixed income yields at such a low uh, low levels, uh, they are not anymore considered as a, a diversifier to the portfolios. Um, so a number of private market asset classes that might perform a similar risk-reducing role to fixed income are beginning to look very attractive on that basis. So if we are going to look at the numbers from an allocation into the illiquid space, 57% of Middle Eastern sovereign investors will be increasing to real estate, allocations to real estate. 43% will be increasing their allocation to private equity. And 57% will be increasing their allocation to infrastructure. So this this theme has been growing and will continue to grow. And it's accelerated due to the pandemic. That's interesting about those investments asset classes it's sort of diversifying uh, their their areas of interest beyond i guess the traditional areas like equities or or fixed income um and th- this will help those asset classes grow um continue to grow going forward and and i guess it becomes a, a, almost a virtuous circle where it, it will be you know a, a continued part of the strategy for in in sovereigns and central banks going forward it's, it's very interesting how they shifted the way they look at risk. For them, fixed income allocations are not going to defend the por- or they're not going to protect the portfolios against volatility. So what can we do from an asset allocation perspective to manage the risk within the portfolio as a whole? Jacet Risik, Client Director at Invesco, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Mustafa. Thank you, Kelsey. That's it for today. Kelsey, thank you so much. Thank you. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Do join us again next time.